Lord, thank you for these truths today. I pray, God, as we reflect on the significance of every single word in this verse. I pray, Holy Spirit, as we ask ourselves, does Jesus truly change everything? I pray, Jesus, by your Spirit, that your life-giving presence would speak. I pray, Lord, for each of us in this moment that right now, all the distractions of today, all the festivities, all the distractions and discouragements and even the darkness of life, God, I pray that we would just remove ourselves from those and lean into you and be ready to hear from you as you speak into all of those things. And only the way that the Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit can do so. So we trust you, and in your name we pray. Amen. In case you didn't catch it, we are starting a seven-week series starting today. Anyone know what it's called? It's called Jesus Changes Everything. Been thinking about this phrase, these three words, for quite some time. I, I would say if I could probably preach one sermon, it would probably be this one. As you think about these words, my question to you what kind of punctuation would you use at the end of those three words? Is it a question mark? Perhaps today, as we make that phrase, it seems like a bold, maybe even a little arrogant phrase. Does Jesus really change everything? As I look around the world, as I think about my own life, as I think about the way that others have treated me, people that believe in Jesus, does he change everything? Or maybe even today on this Resurrection Sunday, asking yourself, did he really resurrect? How could someone who died on a cross really do anything? Or maybe for you that punctuation is more of like an asterisk like a Barry Bonds asterisk. No, no Giants fans here? Man. It's like, if Jesus changes everything, if. Or, Jesus changes everything as long as this happens. In this circumstance, or he changes everything for a lot of people, but for me, I don't know. Today we're gonna to be reflecting on these truths in this verse that we're talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I believe Paul is exhorting the church to leave behind the question marks, leave behind the asterisks, and to put a big, fat exclamation point on this. See, Paul did. If you're in 2 Corinthians and you're reading through the passage, the church is having some questions about him and some of his practices and why he is doing things. And at one point, they even kind of question if maybe he's a little crazy. At one point, early in this chapter, Paul says, if you think I'm crazy, it's for God. He actually says, Right leading up to this in verse 17, in verse 14 he says, for the love of Christ compels or controls us. 
Because we have concluded this, that one, Christ, has died for all, therefore all have died. Christ died on the cross and all have died. In other words, in Romans when he says, for the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short. He's saying the gospel here. He's saying, because Christ, one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he, Christ, died for all. And those who might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was rested and was raised, Christ. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In other words, Paul is saying, because we as a church believe that Jesus changes everything, therefore, he gets into this statement. And a few things about this verse that I wanna focus on. First, as we think about Jesus changing everything, it's important to confess the source. You see, we're all changing. You look at your life, you look at your high school pictures or look at your childhood pictures or, or just look at, at, at how you've developed, you are changing. And there are things that cause you to change. Sometimes it's just age, like for me, it's just, I seem to be getting a little wider. For some of us, we see change in different ways. We see changes in our life. We see changes when we have a child. And everything changes. Here, Paul is saying that true, eternal, significant change is one source, and that is Jesus. The source of change must be Jesus. He says, if anyone is in Christ, I love that word anyone, anyone is invited to it, but if is important. In John, in John, when Jesus is talking about this truth, he said this about himself. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. When we say Jesus changes everything, we're saying he's the only one that can, that, that can bring about powerfully true, eternal significance, dead to life change. Good vibes can't do that for you. Buddha can't do that for you. Other religions can't do that for you. The Christian faith has this confession that says that only Jesus can truly change everything in this way. So we see the source, but we also see the extent. See, Jesus doesn't just change the things that I want to be changed. This scripture says the extent is he changes everything. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creation. This word for new creation is like being born again. It reminds me of Jesus with this guy named Nicodemus. You see, Nicodemus was a religious leader. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And he knew all the things that you're supposed to do, all the things that you're supposed to say, all the sacrifices, all the prayers, all the Sabbath practices, and he followed them. 
If we looked at him today, we would say he was doing a pretty good job. He went to church every week. He was in a community group. He was like Mindy. He did all three parts of the reading plan. He knew all the answers. And Nicodemus goes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, you're talking about the kingdom of God breaking in. The reign of God breaking in. He says, Jesus, how do we be part of this? I want to see the kingdom. I've been doing all the things and saying all the things. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly. Whenever you see truly, truly, it's like Jesus saying, pay attention. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's saying something must happen in you where everything about you is completely changed. Not just parts of you. One of my favorite preachers, Charles Spurgeon, reflected on this. He said this, you can follow along with me. He says, talking about the book of Ecclesiastes, says, there's no new thing under the sun. No doubt Solomon was correct in this declaration, but he wrote of this world and not of the world to come, whereof we speak. For behold, in the world to come, that is to say, in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, all things are new. To the wisest mind, if unrenewed, there is nothing new, but to the humblest of the regenerated, ones all things have become new. See, we recognize that the source of true change is Jesus, the extent is everything, but oftentimes we hop over this next point, which is the cost. You see, there's also a cost to change. And the cost is death. Something needs to die for something to resurrect. Does that make sense? This is why Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away. This is talking about a new age coming into your life. It's, it's this new being, and there's an old way that is passed away. I think we miss this sometimes in the Western church where we think, you know what, I'll, I'll let Jesus change the things that I want him to change, and I'll hope that's enough. But to truly say he's my Lord and my Savior, to truly confess that, I need to be willing to die to everything and trust that his reign in my heart is the best way. This is why Paul confessed in Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live, how? By faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We see the source of Jesus changing everything is Jesus. It's not us doing anything. We see the extent, everything. We see the cost, death. But don't stop there. You see, as Christians, we are a people of the cross. We talked about this on Friday. We talked about this last week. There is a way of following Christ in his footsteps, the cruciform way of following in the way of the cross. 
but we are also a people of the resurrection. There's also a wonder. There's also a winsomeness to the people of God, where I would say there's a beauty, and the beauty is resurrection. The beauty is resurrection. The beauty, as I was studying this text, I was thinking through this and reading this, and for the first time, I remember back in the day, I was in this uh, group called Awanas, and we would memorize verses of scripture. And I remember memorizing this, but this word never hit me. It's the old has passed away, and then Paul does something. He says, behold, the new has come. He says, look, just don't miss this. As Matt said in the poem, don't miss this, my friend. He says, look at what's happening. Look around the community. Look at your brothers and your sisters. Look in the mirror. Christ has done something. The new has come. Jesus is changing everything. And maybe as you hear that, there's still that question mark. Maybe you've had a time in your life where you said, I believe that, but. Maybe you relate to a lady named Mary. See, there's a lady named Mary. She said, in the scriptures, it tells us that she was possessed by seven demons. It says that she came to know Jesus, and Jesus did a mighty work in her life. But then, Jesus died. And all that she thought, the rabbi, the teacher, the one who spoke all of this, she saw him on a cross, dying, innocent. And it tells us that on a Sunday, as the sun came up, she came to the tomb and said that Mary stood, look at John chapter 20, I wanna read this to you. I don't want you to miss this, I don't want you to miss the glory, the beholding piece of this. Look at what happens to her, it says, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, behold, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Think about this moment. She had just seen Jesus die a horrible, gruesome death. She had just felt the heartbreak of all the darkness and all the evil of the one that she had put all this hope in. So then she sees the risen Jesus and she doesn't notice him in his resurrected body. Jesus said to her, look at what happens here. Look at how Jesus interacts. As woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. I love this part. 
Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, sir, if, you've car- if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him away. And then watch what happens here. Jesus said what? Mary. He called her by her name. I wonder this morning if he's calling you by your name. Saying your name to you. The resurrected Jesus. It says she turned and as soon as she heard his name she yelled out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. She experienced the risen, wonderful, glorious Christ personally. And perhaps today, as you think about this question of Jesus changes everything, he is calling out your name. But maybe, maybe, it's more of a question mark. Maybe it's more of skepticism. I believe that Jesus was a good man. I believe that following him is a good way of living. But unless he shows up and he, he shows me his scars, unless he does something and wakes me up in the, in the middle of the night and speaks audibly to me, I just don't know if I can believe in him. I think that if you continue reading, you'll see that Jesus also has a word for you. See, there was a guy named Thomas. And Thomas felt the same. Thomas said, all the disciples said, Jesus has risen. And Thomas said, I, I, I need to see it for myself. So Jesus shows up into the room of Thomas and his disciples and he says this, put your finger here, Thomas, and see my hands and and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, it's so interesting here. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Notice, Thomas didn't go and touch Jesus' hands. He didn't go and and feel the side. What happened there? What took him from being a skeptic to a believer? It was the faithful presence of Jesus. You see, Jesus was talking about his doubt that Thomas had not told Jesus about. Jesus was with him in the doubt, in the questions, in the wandering, and his profession, his incredible omniscience of knowing Thomas's struggles caused him to have this turn and this change in his heart. And I believe Jesus today, wherever you're at, is calling your name and saying, Mary, Thomas. I love in this passage, he says something to Thomas that I believe is actually meant for you and me right now in this moment. He says to Thomas, see, you believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. Don't miss this, my friend. Tim Keller says this passage shows Thomas moving from the deepest doubt among the disciples to the highest profession of faith. Anywhere in the gospel, he finally cries out, my Lord and my God. An astonishing thing for a Jewish man to say to any human being, this incident is considered to be the climax of the Gospel of John. 
the biggest doubter became the greatest believer. And as you sit here today and as you ask yourself, what kind of punctuation would I put on that statement? Jesus changes everything. My question would be, do you believe it? I could tell you about Thomas, I could tell you about Mary, I could tell you about the people that we baptized here, but this is why this is so important to me. The reason why I think it's so important that we talk about Jesus changing everything is because Jesus has changed me. It's because I believe it. It's because I've seen in my life the presence of Christ doing something in me. I believe this to be true, and I've seen it changing me. One of the things I love in this passage is Paul talks about if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away forever, done with. The Greek there is called an errorist. It means that it's forever done. It's no longer you. But then it says the new has come. Do you know the, the tense there? We'll geek out a little bit here. It's called the perfect tense. The perfect tense is a tense that says it's been done and it's continuing to do something in your life. So because Jesus and all his power has changed me forever, I once was dark, I now am in the light, I, I once was blind, but now I see, he now, out of my faith, is continuing to change me. And this makes sense because oftentimes I think, okay, I get it, Jesus changes everything, but why am I not perfect? Why, just a few weeks ago we had a baseball game, and I thought the umpire missed a, a call at home base. And Pastor Logan, being a great coach, decides, you know what? I'm just gonna walk up to home base, I'm gonna dust off the base, and I'm gonna say, this is the base. <laughs> and we can laugh, I, I, I laugh about it, but it was also my old self, and Christ in his presence was speaking in to me and saying, Logan, you, what are you doing? This is Little League. <laughs> and by the way, you got it wrong. <laughs> Coach Scott said he was out. And yet I, I realized the Spirit of God doing something in me to go and, and, and confess and apologize afterwards. Me and Nick, we're good now. And I want you to hear that sometimes we, we sit and we, and we, we watch pastors and, and, and speakers and we think, oh yeah, they got it. Listen, Jesus is continuing to change everything. All of us need to believe this. This we believe is our source, our lifeblood. We wake up with this gospel every day. So in those moments when I lose it and I yell at my kids, those moments when I, when I, when I fall back into this, this hurt, this habit, this hang up, I confess I believe that Jesus is still doing something. So my question to you, what are you going to do with this? What do we do with it? Seems to me that there's three words I'd like you to think about as you think about if this is true. They spell out the word car. I don't know why, but they do. The first word is confess. 
In both of those passages, you notice Mary and Thomas confessing Christ. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, what happens? That God raised him, resurrection from the dead, you will be saved. This morning, I wonder if perhaps the Lord is calling your name and inviting you to confess with your mouth. To say, I believe, Jesus, would you change me? Perhaps that means I would like to make a confession of faith or I'd like to get baptized or I'd like to join the church where we get to come in front of the whole church and I'm gonna let everyone know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm gonna take that step. I'm gonna get baptized and I'm gonna say that I relate. I die to myself and I rise again with Christ. Confess your faith. Perhaps it's just simply saying a prayer even right now and just saying, I believe in you, Jesus. Would you start your changing process in me? Second, abide. Abide. If Jesus changes everything, why would we not hang out with him? If he is the ultimate source of true change, Simply being a part of a church service or a podcast or other things is, is just such a big miss. Because Jesus is calling me to spend time with him, to pray to him, to read his word, to invite his very real presence into all of your life. As you wake up, as you go to sleep in your dreams, abide in him. This is why we love doing our community groups. It helps us. It helps us to go from sitting in pews to sitting around circles and talking about, okay, how's Jesus changing you? Oh, when we talked about this in the reading plan this week, wasn't this incredible? It hit you. It's a way that, that all, notice in this passage, Paul is always talking in we's and us. It's never me's and I's. He talks to us in the form of community. Part of the changing is being a part of his church, being a part of this gift that he's given us. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We miss this. We can get so caught up in doing all the things we can get so caught up in our own lifestyles and the decisions that we make that we miss that the ultimate invitation is Jesus telling you, abide in me, believe in me, confess, abide. And hear this though, represent, represent. I love looking out. And I love seeing your beautiful faces. I love thinking about all the families and all the stories that we have sitting right in this room. I love that God wired us that for some reason, no matter how eloquent I could be or how cute my words could be, all the points, you know what you'll remember today? You'll remember when Logan got mad at an umpire. You see, God has wired us to remember stories. 
And your story is one of the biggest ways to represent Christ, is to say, Jesus changes everything, I'm changed. I would encourage you today. We have some shirts you could pick up, hats, and they just say that, Jesus changes everything. I'm not trying to sell stuff today, I'm trying to help you to represent Jesus. So someone says, what's that hat about? Well, let me tell you. There's a sign out here, you could take a family picture out front. If you're parked on this side, maybe go check it out. It says, Jesus changes everything. Take a family picture, get on Facebook, tell your story. See, church, here at Cornerstone, this is what we're about. Here at Cornerstone, we join Paul when he says, therefore we, Cornerstone, are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, God uses us to change others. We implore you, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, believe, look at what he does. Behold, Jesus changes everything. Do you believe it? Will you live this out today? Will you live this out with your family? Will you behold this as we sing together? How do we share this gospel? Behold. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Behold, the new has come. In a few moments, we're gonna sing together. We're gonna sing a song that says, speaks of this confession that we've been talking about every week, that we are a people who believe in a triune God. That we are people who believe that God himself, the Father, sent his son to die on a cross for our sin. He died a perfect death on our place. And he resurrected. And we are a people of resurrecting life. Earlier in this service, it was so fun for me. I got to sit here and my three boys were sitting next to me and we were singing of this hope. I could hear my boys singing of Jesus. Let's be a church that sings of Jesus changing everything. Let's be a church that says, what if we dare to ask this? What would this look like in California, in Chowchilla? What would this look like in your workplace? What would this look like in your family? What would this look like in the world. Perhaps today the Lord is calling you to put an exclamation point on the end of those three words and to take that step. I pray you join us in this. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are our living hope. Lord, you 2,000 years ago 
in our darkness, in our sin, in our hopelessness, you defeated death and you tell us death has no sting. We got Easter lilies here to remember these truths to those who have gone before us. That we are a people of the cross and the resurrection. We are a people who confess and represent a people who say, you turn graves into gardens. Who say, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Who's saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know I have a future. My life is worth living because he lives. I pray, Lord, as we sing these truths, I pray, Spirit of God, that you would open up our eyes to the reality, God, that whether we like it or not, you change everything. May we be people who submit to that. In your name we pray, amen.